Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Matthew S. Fox, one of your hosts. Joining me on the line is uh, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good for the most part. You know, I'm in, in kind of a particularly fuck the police sort of <laughs> mood, so uh, I think that's pretty suitable for our Yeah, that should be today. kind of fitting, because we are talking about the police in the world, um, specifically police in the superhero world. Today we're talking about in a world where superheroes exist, where aliens exist, things like that. It seems like in most of the stories that we look at, you almost always wind up having the government form some super secret organization dedicated to stopping this kind of thing whether it's S.H.I.E.L.D., whether it's Argus, whether it's Cadmus. And in every case, you know, sometimes these are the heroes of the story, sometimes these are the bad guys, sometimes it's in the middle. But I think it always raises some pretty intense questions, um, both for the stories themselves and for our own world, about what would that really mean, you know, and, and do we want an organization like that happening? And if so, what, what kind of things should they or shouldn't they be doing? So, Paul, let me start with a, a really general question. Um, Assuming a world in which we have an American government that we at least have some modicum of trust for, um, somewhere somewhere in the um, Clinton to Bush, you know, sort of range, um, a, a pretty wide range to be sure, sure, but not quite our current situation, that government finds out tomorrow that mutants exist, that aliens exist, what would you want them to do? I'd, I'd want them to be open and honest with the people about the fact that there was confirmation about extraterrestrial uh-huh. life. Um, I think that's yeah. pretty important, and uh, like step one. Step two, I think, obviously, they need to gather information and intelligence on what's actually going on. Uh, like, is this a group of aliens that's very specific? That's like, in you know, planning right. an invasion. I don't know. You know, like that would be a good thing to know. Um, but if if they're like humanoid, humanish people walking among us, then you know what, what I don't think they should do is set up a secret task force and like kidnap a bunch of them and hunt them down and this and that without um, you know being being open with the the population. About so we're starting from a place on. of generally avoiding fascism. I mean, I think that's a pretty good starting place to be sure. Um, yeah, I think that's generally like a good place to start any any you know well, any plan. And, like step one, don't be a Nazi. Step two, okay, now what really should we do? So let's look at like some of the actual examples that we get. Like Shield is an organization we've seen it primarily okay. portrayed in in things like Agents of Shield and and obviously some of the Avenger movies and stuff. Like, what's your take on their approach to to you know? It, obviously, in that world, they've discovered that aliens exist. They've discovered that um uh you know. Mutants exist, things like that. They, what, what, what's your take on 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 their their approach to it? I think so. First of all, it's hard to discuss Shield, in particular, like the MCU, without addressing the right. fact that they were Hydra, right? Like for decades, Hydra was driving Shield, um, and and I think that kind of really uh, speaks to the. The, the dangers of having this secret police force. I think I think them being a secret police force is, is terrible. You know, I mean, in the 1940s, you had a superhero right. who was out, right? Like people knew what was going on, kind of. Um, but then it, it seems like then you didn't really have any mm-hmm. openly powered people um, in the Marvel universe. Uh, at least in the MCU, until Tony Stark comes right. out, he's like, "Yeah, I got this super flying suit." Um, and it, people like mm-hmm. they don't have the same level of disbelief, I think, uh, that they do in in a lot of other um, science fiction in general, right? Where it's like, "Oh, you mean vampires exist? What?" And then there's the whole like, people can't believe it. Nobody's like, "Oh, I can't believe that a guy's in a suit flying." They're like, "Oh, a guy's in a suit flying around as a you know." And then they're like, "Well, okay, let's weaponize this. Yep. Let's make it part of the government." Um, and so, so there's an extent to which that's not all as secret as it seems. But meanwhile, like Nick Fury's there, right? Like Shield's already around, and they've been doing stuff, and there've been you know, um, basically 
I mean, they don't call them mutants, right? Because right? they don't have the rights yeah, to the it. Yeah, the inhumans but, are but basically are the same thing. You know, and, yeah. and there, there are there are powered people. Yeah, exactly. And I think S.H.I.E.L.D. has known about them, right? Um, or did they? Anyway, but they, they knew about a lot of people with powers, and this is when, you know, they were still Hydra, too, right? But even putting that aside, uh, it seems like there was knowledge about this, and they're they're keeping it secret, sort of the way, you know, like Area 51 theoretically is hiding the existence of aliens. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Why is that a I, – I, I've never really – heard an argument for why that in would be a good why, thing. why hiding it you would know? be a good thing? Um, I mean, in, in like... I mean, I... I yeah. Like, why hiding it's mere I, So I, I do think there's at least something. For the most part, I am I am with you on the idea that, that open open acknowledgement is, is a better thing. But I, I, I do think that there's some value, or there's some value to at least talking about the idea of what is the fear that that, that kind of knowledge is going to create. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and so is there some value to, to not talking about it because of that fear? Um, I don't think so. I mean, almost I, immediately, I think, I think my thought is that, like, about, the problem is, and, and I guess here, here's sort of my fundamental problem with S.H.I.E.L.D. I, see, I feel like S.H.I.E.L.D. is an organization that could make sense if it could be 100% successful in its mission. Because the, the, the problem to me with the fear kind of things is, like, yes, like, like take, take the idea of the Inhumans and that humanity might now know that there are people living among you who could look just like you but are fundamentally different and have these special powers. I mean, I, I think that whole language of fundamental differences is ridiculous anyway. But even if you think that was a possibility, like, there is the idea that if people knew that, that it could cause widespread panic and rioting and people, like, hurting each other, all that kind of thing. Right. The problem, though, is that any of those fear arguments break down because no matter if, – if the government tells people in a controlled way, it's going to cause some amount of fear. If the government tries not to and then the information gets out the way it always does, but now probably gets out – yeah, and yeah, now gets out in a much more garbled and rumor and like yeah. game of telephone way, now the fear you're right. worried about is a million times worse. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um I mean, it's. I mean, here's a here's a question. Like, should should terrorist attacks be covered up? Like, the purpose of a terrorist attack is to cause fear, right? So, if it makes sense to for a, an organization like Shield to hide the truth about, you know, uh, what we would call like supernatural right um, people or creatures or whatever, then like should like doesn't it then by correlation make sense for a government to yeah, and I mean, I think that's a good that's a good example attacks. of where I would come down is like because to me, I absolutely think that we shouldn't be hiding those stories because again, you couldn't; they're going to get out anyway. But I do think, and I don't think the government should mandate this right. by law, exactly. but I think there's ways that we as consumers can help push for this. I think that terrorist attacks in our current world today are significantly overcovered and overdramatized, and and so yeah, to me that oh, might I be the thing. Like, I think the biggest problem terrorist. is that terrorism is not that terrorism is covered. It's that it's sensationalized. And so maybe that 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 could maybe be the thing is like, okay, the government is, is its role is to say, yes, these inhumans exist, but we're gonna do our best to provide you with real information so that every time someone tries to sensationalize and say, Oh my yeah. god, inhumans are coming to get us, like there's a there's someone else who can say, Wait, no, let's let let's you know, fight fight that false news with actual real news. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and to kind of I mean, I, I think it makes sense in, in both cases to sort of, well, to educate, right? But um, generally yep. to to be honest about something, about about the, the existence of whatever it is, um, but to try right. to kind of play it down a little bit, you know? Um, and by play it down, I don't mean like lie about what's going on. I mean, like actually be like, you know, to this is a very small right. number of people in the world. You know, this is a very small number of incidents. You know I mean? If, if you look at the number of driving deaths in the United States, you know, like that's a much, much, yeah. much, much, much bigger problem. Um, and so I totally agree about things being sensationalized. And, and so that's the thing, like when aliens attack New York and I mean, okay, so that's something <laughs> that actually should That was a big deal. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 
but like um, you know, something something maybe a little smaller, like sure. doesn't need to be sensationalized the same way. I mean, the same way, like you know, nine eleven, like yeah, it should have gotten some coverage, like that's that's legit, you know. Um, but that like pressure cooker. One of the best examples Chelsea, of like, this that I that I saw know, in my own life was you know yeah, like like you, I grew up in New York City and. I didn't grow up in the toughest neighborhood, but I, I certainly grew up near some not-so-great neighborhoods. And, and, you know, hearing gunshots at night was a not completely strange occurrence in my world. Right, and it was, it was the 80s. So yeah, exactly. And I remember I spent a year in Ireland, including going to Belfast at one point. And I was in Belfast with, right. when the ceasefire broke. And mm. people I knew were all of a sudden, like, contacting me, incredibly worried for me. Because they were like, you're in Belfast, the ceasefire is broke, you're near violence. And I, right. it, it was surprising to me because I, I had to point out to them, like, from a purely, I mean, from a purely statistical yeah. standpoint, my life is in, being in Belfast at the height of the Irish troubles is still statistically right. so much safer than walking down a semi-tough street in New York City in the 1980s. Like, there's just no comparison. Right. Or just then living there. On yeah, the exactly. Basis. Exactly. Yeah. And. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of truth there. And that's in a kind of situation like the, like the ones we're talking about, where all of a sudden there there's something that breaks the rules that the world, that people in the world think they always knew. You know, like humans are the only right. species or the only uh, right. intelligent, you know, however you define it. Or like, you know, humans can't fly or can't cause earthquakes or whatever those things are. <laughs> At a time like that, the the single thing that is going to be the, the biggest problem, I think at least, is information, you know, and yeah. and the, the, to me, I would think the most important thing a government organization could do is to be providing information as much as possible. And so when it's bottled up, I think you're right, that just causes so many problems. Yeah, and I mean, that doesn't mean that there can't be any, you know, confidential, top secret information about some specific you know, incident or some specific people or whatever, but that the, the general story has to get out and, you know, there has to be a level of transparency. Sure. That's sure. You know. Now, and, and I have to say also when we're talking about shield for me, I, I, I think, I think you're right. The secrecy of it is a huge problem. There, there's another thing though that I see. And I think this is, as you said, very linked to when Hydra took over, but it, it comes out in other places. It feels to me like there's a fundamental naivete at the heart of shield. You know, there's a fun, there's, particularly in like Captain America and Agent Coulson and some of the others, but but in, in yeah. the organization itself, there's a fundamental idea of we are good people doing hard things for good reasons, and so therefore good will result. Yeah. And yeah. and I know I'm kind of cynical about this, and this is why I'm kind of down on Captain America in general, but but I feel like to me that is such the like that scenario is what makes it so easy for Hydra to take over. Because once once you tell mm -hmm. yourself that because I know I'm doing something good, it's okay to justify something not so good, it's then so easy for someone else to come along who has no good intention whatsoever but convinces you that they do, and now convince you to do almost anything because you think we're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's having an overconfidence in the vision of your organization. Yeah, um, I think that's a really I mean, good way I, to put it. I do it. think actually there's a, a really big difference between um, Shield and Captain America, but um, in that I think Captain America started off with he had that idea, uh -huh. you know, in the the, the 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 goodness of like the United States, you know, in the fight in in World War Two and you know, the goodness of S.H.I.E.L.D. after after he got off ice, right. you know. Um, and then he was like, wait, what are you doing? You know, and he, I think he, you know, he lost his faith in their vision, um, but he still had confidence in his own. Right. Uh, which, which, I mean, I think he's right to, mm -hmm. just because I, like, he's one person, and he's a very particular person, and, um you know, he's he's written that way. You right. Know? No, and and I like, and I, I meant there that I feel like Shield is formed in the image of Captain America's original ideals. Yeah, yeah. And so the problem is that then you have an organization that people are saying, okay, this organization is as good as Captain America, and so whatever we do is going to live up to that standard. And other people, I'm not going to doubt the other people around me. 
and the, the real problem to me is is the lack of oversight mm-hmm. you know and and so i don't think that means that uh you know you need something like the segovia accords um i don't think that means the avengers need to be controlled by the un or the u.s government basically um but i think it does mean that they need to be overseen right i think there needs to be oversight i think there needs to be like transparency i'm like okay what did you guys do mm-hmm. how can you justify that and you know maybe there then there need to be some sort of consequences if, if that you know uh, turns out to be like well right, okay, and I think that's that's, that's okay. really the other thing that really makes me afraid of of the kind of uh, you know the, the secrecy of either organization because we we've talked a little bit about Marvel you know Captain America Civil War and and that whole question and, and sure. I, I'm I'm a little different from you but pretty close to you but I'm I'm absolutely in that same place with the oversight because like yeah like you know like right. whatever else you think like Scarlet Witch makes that decision and people die as a result. Okay, so so who yeah. are the people who say like, okay, Captain America, what were your training methods? Like, was she sufficiently prepared to go in right. the field? In, in the same way, yeah. In in Agents of Shield in particular, but in some of the other places, you know, a lot of times Coulson has to make very difficult moral decisions based on what he thinks is right for Shield, and there's no one looking over his shoulder, at least not in an official. And, and yeah. granted, this changes as, as the show goes on, and and sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But I feel like that's that's to me one of the fundamental problems is like there's no one there to really say, you know, the way I would with a, a police force in our own world. Who is who is looking over the shoulder of these yeah. organizations and, and as they're using lethal force, is this okay and are they doing it right, you know? Right. And and sometimes not as they are, but after they do, you know, because yeah, things need to happen in the moment sometimes, right? right? There's an emergency, the police are called, they they, they do what they do. Um, but then when they do something that they shouldn't do, then there has to be, you know, you, you've got your justice system, but just as important, more important to me, because, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't particularly believe in the usefulness of retributive justice. Um, like, I, what matters then to me is like, okay, this happened, this person did this thing, what are we going to do to make that happen less often in the right. future? Right. Does it mean we're going to retrain, you know, whether are we going to retrain our police? Are we going to retrain Scarlet Witch? You know, are we going to take certain people out of the field based on um, their record of performance or things they've done? You know, um, are we going to immediately fire people who, who do things that are way, you know, beyond mm-hmm. the pale? Um, you know, and, that's, and that I'm not arguing against having any kind of prosecution. It's just I don't I don't think that that. Um, is necessarily the thing that that actually causes the the changes that that we want. Like I, I think the changes need to be um, the the other right. people, basically. Yeah. You know, um, and obviously making sure that somebody who's not fit. Right, and I think uh, yeah, I think that that's really where it comes down to me is like how and and, and similarly like you can apply that to like the agents of Shield. But also, you know, one of the things these people are doing all the time is deciding, like, which Inhumans, which mutants, which aliens can safely walk about among humans without causing problems, you know? And I think right. that that's where, again, yeah. you get into some really interesting questions of, you know, kind of similar to what we've talked about with, like, mind control or other things like that in terms of, on the one hand, there's, you know, I, I, I am totally against things that start saying these people are different, these people are strange, and therefore we should limit their freedoms. But, you know, if, like, there are some mutants who have the potency to burst into flame uh, and cause extensive yeah. damage to everybody around them if they get emotionally upset. That person constitutes yeah. a potential lethal threat to other people near them. Like, and I, I, I don't want to therefore say lock them up, but I also think that some, some degree of how do we take into account this potential threat and mitigate it, that there is some worthy discussion to be had yeah. there. I think so too, and I mean, I, th- I think that that has parallels to, you know, okay, if if I say like I'm not into retributive justice, right? But like, I I think that people who are who commit violent crimes, who are likely to commit more violent crimes in the future, I think they need to be removed from the people who you know they're likely to commit yeah. those crimes against, which might be everybody broadly speaking, and then yeah, they need to be locked up in some place that hopefully is more, you know, 
uh, humanitarian than you know the prisons we have in the United States. But there's a, there's um, a one. But similarly, like those mutants, like the thing is, it's like the trouble is when it's like, oh, some mutants do this, so we need to do this yeah. with all mutants, as opposed to taking it on a case by case basis. This one guy has a tendency to burst into flame. We yeah, maybe he needs to not go to prison, but like maybe he let's yeah. buy him an <laughs> island, you know, like. Let's come up with a technological solution. Let, like there, something needs to be done there, but it needs to be done about that person because of their particular powers. And that's one thing about like m- mutants and all, all of these things in the comics. Like they don't generally say like, oh, this one power like started right. manifesting, you know. And so there's 10% of the population has like telekinesis. Like that there is actually like one science fiction mm-hmm. thing where that happens. But most of the other times it's like, oh, everybody has a random power. It's yeah. like you know, believability aside, like the idea is like, I think that makes it more interesting for each character to be unique in terms of what their powers are. But it also means that the idea of treating that whole population as like a group makes less and less sense. It's like each one. We've talked before about how like, you know, uh, in a world where there's lots of random mutations, there should be a whole lot of people who have mutations that aren't terribly cinematically interesting, but still exist. You know, like there's a guy out there who like, Flowers, you know, come up where he's standing on grass or like someone who like can write with ink from her fingers. Like, sure. Okay. Not potentially dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. Someone who can make poisonous mushrooms, not poisonous. Useful, but not a great story to tell around that person. But even more importantly, not a great threat in that same way. Um, Let's shift though to to Argus for a second and and talk. And and it's a way of shifting also from the mutant thing to the alien thing. Because Argus is dealing with Right. Um, yeah. Let's just start with its fundamental question, and this is actually helpful because um, one of our listeners, Ryan, um, who also, he himself runs a, um, a great podcast called Four Color Nerds that I definitely suggest everybody check out, um, mm-hmm. especially they do a, a sub a sub uh, category of it. It's called Four Color Nerds Cut the Cord, and it's all about the kind of reviews of different TV shows and a lot of them with a superhero theme. Definitely worth checking out. Um, but he was asking about, you know, um, on some level, would you think about like Argus and, and, and the fear of Superman, d- does Lex Luthor have a point in terms of like how scared should we actually be about Superman and the things he can do? Um, so, so what, and I feel like Argus, you know, and Amanda Waller especially, you know, they are always coming from perspective of Superman's great, but if he turns on us, this could be absolutely horrible. Um, do they have a point? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there is a point. Um, I, I, I definitely think it's one of those situ- situations where, you know, someone whose conclusion I don't agree with starts off with a premise that yeah. has some merit, you know. Um, I mean, a lot of the things that – all right, I'm going to specifically talk about Trump okay. here for just a moment, you know. Um, like, I think in, in the campaign, like, he – talked about a lot of right. real problems and then talked about a lot of not so real problems um, and then offered horrible, yeah. horrible solutions to them. Um, and, and I think like Lex Luthor kind of does the same thing. Um, and we're like in Batman mm-hmm. or Superman, you know, it's like, yes, yes, this is absolutely something you should think about. Like, this isn't like, Oh, somebody looks a little different than me or maybe they have somewhat different values than, you know, I think my culture has, no, this is someone who shoots laser beams out of their eyes, you know, like flying's nice, but right. it's like not that big a deal, but like is invulnerable and is super duper duper strong and can like freeze things mm-hmm. by blowing on them. Like that, that's world changing power. I mean, the same way, like, should we like be concerned that North Korea has nuclear weapons? Yes, we should absolutely be concerned that North Korea has nuclear weapons. Like, should we then, you know, do this or that or whatever? So, like, maybe not. So what you is know, the, it's like, it's easy to what, agree what on. What is a, the appropriate yeah, level of response then to someone like Superman? Like, Lex Luthor, probably okay, not so much. But Argus, like Argus takes on a position right. of, we want to have some weapons ready to stop him. Should Like, I, I, I particularly loved the... um. I think it's in the the later Justice the Justice League Unlimited or Justice League United. Yeah, yeah. The Cadmus. Like, yeah. th- there's some yeah. really interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. There, it's Cadmus, not Argus. But where Amanda Waller is really pushing this idea of, 
we want to have a weapon ready in case Superman does go rogue. Um, and I have right. that. That's where I start to say, like, I, I don't like Amanda Waller. I don't like her methods. I, I don't think she's wrong, though. Yeah, and I mean that's that's a like yeah. Batman agrees with her there, you know, like like Superman's like, oh, but we would never do that, or and Batman's like, you know, like they're yeah. they're right to be afraid, you know, like they do have this giant space laser up in the sky, you know, that they can they can take out a city if they want, you know, um, they have so much power consolidated, you know, in this very small group, and so. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think in, in a world like that, I do think, you know, um, a government needs to have the power or somebody needs to have the power to kind of um, to oppose that, you know, the same way. in I think instead of, you know, like in um, in the MCU, right, you get they're like, oh, well, we want the Avengers to work for us. Instead of like, I think that Iron Man two actually kind of had it right, even though it was, I think, really the weakest <laughs> Iron Man movie. Like, no, they're gonna want yeah. to get their own suits, you know, like, and that makes sense. Like, of course they do. And sure, we can be like, well, we don't trust them with that technology, but like, do we trust them with nuclear weapons? No, but right. nuclear weapons exist, and people have them. And I do think it's better if, like, you know, if. If two sides have them, then you have your whole mutually assured destruction. Like, okay, let's let's just keep these on ice, and like, then you have your arms force and or your arms races, and and that's a that's a problem, right? And you could have that in in um you know with like Argus, like they're just constantly trying to keep up with being as powered as the Justice League, and like, how much money right. are they spending on that? You know, I don't know. Um, and so that's that's a real concern, and it doesn't seem like a great mm-hmm. trajectory, you know. But at the same time, I think when you when you have extreme power, having it divided amongst um, more groups or more people, I think is generally better than allowing um, it to rest all in one place, because then that that person or, or entity or whatever could always um, become a dictator, just like if they felt like it, you know. And there are stories where Superman. Um, and actually, actually, they take place in the same continuity as the Justice League, uh, where Superman gets mm-hmm. controlled by like Darkseid, and then just like comes to Earth and yeah. like wreaks havoc, you know. Um, and and so so she's doing that with the knowledge that that not that that could right. happen, but that that has happened, you know. And so of course they're trying to get that power. But the the thing is like, do you get that power and then try to kill Superman? No, no, you don't. You just have that power in case you need it. And, uh, you know, then the question is, like, if it's such a secret organization, now, you know, who's in control of it? Yeah, and, I, you know, I think things can go much more I, wrong. I mean, on, on some level, I think all of these things come down to trust. You know, like, okay, do we trust Superman to never use his power in a bad way? Okay, well, no, we don't trust that. So right. do we trust Amanda Waller to always be, you know— making the right decision about is Superman a threat right now or not? No, we don't trust that. Like, like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that, that to me, this is nope. the problem is like, right. the, the more you try to concentrate that decision in a smaller and smaller space, the harder it is, to, you're, the more you're placing that trust in that one individual. Because I think this is the like, part, part of, I think the thing that Amanda Waller and, and you're right to some extent, Batman taps into is that like, organizations like these can't just be reactive, you know, on some level, on some level, what these, and and Batman, I think kind of says this to some level, like if Superman fully decides to go rogue and we wait until he has completely shown himself going rogue and is doing totally rogue things, it's probably too late. Like, cause you know, he can just alter the rotation of the earth, like end of humanity done. Like, like, and so on some right, level, right, right. And, and, and this is, it's here, it, it gets back to, to real world politics. You know, if what we say is we are going to wait until North Korea shows that they are actually going to use nuclear weapons against us to do something bad to them. Okay, well, that's not really very good for the people of Los Angeles, you know, or Seoul or Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah or any of those places. Like, you know, yeah. But, 
but I think that, but once you then start to say like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to be so fearful of someone else that we're going to basically be on a trigger. And if we start to see them possibly being scary, then we're going to attack. Then now we're into such a different realm of, you know, I mean, this is where you get all the problems of people treating each other without trust and with, with all of that fear and, and, and et cetera. Um, yeah, and it's it's difficult because you know there's the there's the trust issue, right? So you want more people to be in on any given decision. But on the other hand, like you also want need to be able to, right? You know, respond quickly, and the more people that are yeah. involved in the decision, the harder that's going to be. Um, and then also, I mean, I think ultimately what you need mm-hmm. is really good intelligence, because. You know, like, and then, so then it's like, so what? Are you just monitoring Superman 24-7 now? You know, it's like, maybe you have to. I mean, that's what you should be doing in North Korea, right? You should actually be trying to make sure you know what's happening. So not, oh, you get scared that they might do something. Like, no, you have actually actionable intelligence right. that they are going to do something, you know? And for that, like, you probably need mm-hmm. North Korean spies or something. I don't know. But so, yeah, you know? but, like, um, so the idea is that does Superman have and, to wear a monitor so that we know where he is at all times? Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I, one thing that I think is important is, like, to acknowledge, yeah. like, it's a hard problem, you know? Um, and it's understandable that some people would come to conclusions that we think are really bad. Um, and it's also very predictable that some people would see a difficult situation and say, well, I'm going to use that for my, to my right. own end. Because that's what Lex Luthor's doing. Like, he's not, I mean, maybe sometimes he's trying to like, protect people, protect humanity. But, like, really mostly he's like, okay, how can I convince people of this fear that is kind of reasonable and then right. use that for my own like profits. You know, how can I then well, turn and, the world and part into of what like, it gets to like is that, I mean, I think there are things that are very we are very right to be afraid of, but as a general rule, I think fear has to be one of the worst ways to motivate people. Not not that it's worst in that it's not effective, because I think it is effective. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I mean, it, and it's, idea, I, right? I feel like this goes in two ways. Yeah. I feel like using fear of terrorism to mobilize people is horrific because it's a completely overblown fear and it 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 makes people do awful and terrible things and be afraid of the people they shouldn't be afraid of but even when it's like like i am legitimately afraid of global warming and climate change i i think i think there are ways in which the world absolutely needs to be doing so much more to deal with those things i'm not convinced that fear is the best way to is to do that you know well, I mean, there's two things. Just like one, I mean, the thing about global warming, like fear of that, um, motivating people, it's not really like an right. imminent fear, you know, um, at least not for people um, in areas. Yeah, there's no adrenaline the spike that's going to come from things. like, oh, my gosh, global warming is happening today, you know. Right, exactly. Um, but I, I totally agree that. I mean, fear is certainly an effective way mm-hmm. of getting people to do something. I don't think it's an, a particularly effective way right. of getting people to behave rationally, you know, and that's, that's the problem. Um, and so people do use fear to motivate people, but they often use it to motivate them to do things that if they were thinking right. more clearly, they might not do. Um, and that suits some people because that's what they want. And then, but then also some people, their fear is driving them and then they use that fear to drive other people. And so it's kind of like, you know, they're afraid of the same thing, you know, they're like, but they're like making other people mm-hmm. more afraid of what they're afraid of, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I do think there's, there are people um, in, in government who are, who are very afraid of the things yeah. that they're telling everybody to be afraid of, you know? I think there's other people in government mm-hmm. who are, have a much more cynical view um, of, you know, they're like, well, you know, that's not going to hurt me, but I can use right. other people. And, and I think you're right. And I think that's actually a really good them. distinction because, I mean, certainly in the stories we're talking about, I think it is a fairly common thing to see, you know, a group that is sort of saying like, 
there's this real threat and we need to people aren't afraid of the real threat and they need to be so we're going to kind of manufacture an example of right. the real threat in order to make people afraid of the actual real threat and mm-hmm. and i think that's something that happens in our real world all the right. time you know i mean everything from like as people who listen to this podcast can probably be tell i'm slightly on the left politically like i'm a pretty out there radical guy um you know but one thing that makes me tear my hair out is when I see people post things that are talking about real problems that I absolutely agree with, but where they're taking something and using hyperbole or, or you know, clearly twisting things. You know, like there are horrible, terrible things that Trump is going to do. But then there are posts out there about things that it's like, come on, he's not doing that. And by doing that, you make it even harder to talk about the real things that are happening, you know, or like – um. Five years ago, there was a lot of reports about how, and I, I think these reports were overblown, but clearly it was happening at least sometimes. There were climate scientists who were basically caught exaggerating certain things in order and, and saying like, "We're doing this because we need people to be afraid mm. of what's happening." And like, yeah, it, it completely backfired. Yeah, I think that's a terrible strategy. Yeah, and, and I mean. It... When you're just undermining your whole argument. Like, that's the thing is that when you're trying to, my, I mean, and this is, I don't know, maybe it's just, this is like my approach to things most of the time is I want to try to convince someone that I'm right based on the facts and based on sound logical reasoning, because that's how I think I got there. Right. Right. I, there are things that I think are true that, you know, from whatever evidence, and then I'm attempting to do the best logical reasoning I can. And, of course, sometimes I can think a thing is true and, and be mistaken, right? And sometimes I can have faulty right. logic or, or at least debatable logic, right, where there's another train of thought that, that one could argue for. Uh, but if I start deliberately using facts that I know mm-hmm. aren't true, you know, if I start using logic that I know isn't actually logical logic, right? I've undermined, I think, all right, the other arguments I've ever made, basically. You know, I've undermined my own credibility right. as somebody who's day, trying to make a logical argument. Since all this comes down and to trust, like, I, I once you lose that, that there's yeah. really nothing left. Right. And, you know, the, I mean, the thing is, it's like, you, it, it shouldn't totally undermine your ability to make a point, because those facts should be able mm-hmm. to be verified or should be able to be sourced. Um, what it really does, and, and logic should speak for itself, right? What it does, though, is it, it right. means you're not going to be able to convince people quickly. You're not going to be able to tell something that you, you know, think or know is true and have them just believe you. They're going to be like, okay, where's your evidence? That, and, you know, I don't think that's the worst thing. If people are actually going to say, what's your evidence? and then listen to your argument themselves. But I think that's a minority of people who are going to do that. Most right. people are going to be like, well, you lied before, so I'm just not going to trust you now. You know, I'm going to assume so, you're wrong So let's get, and this is probably more Argus and Shield, but I think it comes up for both. Let, let's go, actually, actually, it, it, there's actually a perfect example with mm-hmm. it with the, the first Avengers movie. Let, let's go deeper into like, you know, what, what often gets referred to as the existential threat. Um, you know, like where, where we're not just, and I don't mean like in a right. cultural way or a nation way. I mean like, well, we're talking about the end of all human life. Like, the aliens are here. The aliens are clearly malevolent. They're trying to wipe right. us all out. What is or is like, uh, is there an extent to which, like, in that circumstance, a lot more becomes okay in terms of, like, real morally gray stuff to, to continue the human species? Um, I mean, <laughs> not caring too much for the human species. I, that, that, that could prejudice you. I have a different answer than some people would, but... But, like, just assuming that we, you know, if we just assume, like, you know, okay, uh-huh. it's worthwhile to keep the species going, um, I, I, I think that's a situation where, yeah, you, you do what you do, and right. then you pay the consequences later, you know, um, where, you know, I mean, the, the trouble with, like, the Avengers movie, right? Right. Is let's, that just, let's just set New, up for a second what we're New talking York. about, like, at the like, end of that movie, the Chitauri have come in. The Avengers believe they can defeat the Chitauri, but the the Shield or the the Global Shield Council doesn't think they can do it. World Security Council, and, yeah, and so they think Security that if they put a nuclear bomb in New York, it will obviously kill everyone in New York, be horrible and terrible, but it will stop the potential 
either human destruction or human subjugation under Loki and this alien race. You can make an argument that killing six, eight, ten million people is worth, you know, is a worthwhile thing to do to save right. six, seven billion people, right? Um, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a pretty easy mathematical argument. Um, you know, I, I think the, the big problems there are that that's a secret right. organization, right, um, that wants to make that call. And so there's, there's not going to be any consequence. I mean, I think if um, there was some, you know, either some government that did that or some individual even, um, and then, like, afterwards, right. then they face the consequences, you know. Um, I, I'm not saying that it's a good thing to do. I'm saying that I think that that's a more reasonable scenario than there's some shadowy organization that does yeah. that, and then it's like, well, we no, don't know. No, I, I get that, because I, I think on some level, that. like, obviously I'm happy that the, the Avengers win in the movie and that, that, you know, they don't nuke New York. But I remember the first time I saw that, I, yeah. I was sitting there thinking, like, I'm not entirely sure I think they're wrong to want to do this. Because, like, putting aside the fact that I know it's a movie and so I know the Avengers will probably win, like, in the real world, I can imagine right. from that perspective, yeah. it doesn't look like that's possible. And... Well, like, sure. I have an example. Like, go back to, uh-huh. like, September 11th. Like, would... You know, would it be reasonable to shoot down those planes filled with, you know, civilian hostages if you know that they're going to be trying to crash them into these buildings and kill thousands of people? So you're, you know, you're killing yeah maybe hundreds of people to try to save thousands. I think like, that's – It's – it's yeah. I think it's an well, argument and I think worth here, having. I, I think you're right. It's an argument worth having, and it's – um. You know, it, 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 this is we're, we're now into square up like utilitarian logic and utilitarianism has some real dangers um, because it, it th- there's something problematic about like reducing humanity to a numbers game because of how much it devalues human life. But but on right. some level, like, yeah, like it, it's I almost feel like there's something a little bit morally problematic about that. It seems like again and again, the Avengers basically say to like some large group of humanity don't worry, trust us. You're all going to die if we fail. And there is a way that only some of you will die, but we can promise you that we'll succeed and save all of you. So trust us. And like that makes for a great movie, right? but I'm not sure right. that makes for decision-making that I'm really comfortable with. Yeah, I agree. I think the, like if I were in that situation, like, <laughs> no, okay. I don't know what I would do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like I always am the optimist thinking, right. oh, but there's like a third way, you know, we're like, well, we'll succeed because we're us, you know. Um, yeah. You know, our track <laughs> record isn't so great. <laughs> like, you know, like if I start a band, like I probably right. should think, well, this is probably going to fail, you know, <laughs> um, or try to ruby, reboot yeah. a site like Poker is a Skill. <laughs> I should be like, this probably isn't going to work here, out. Here... <laughs> Here's where you and but, I make either um, great or terrible partners, because I'm the exact opposite. And, I, and this is a way in which I think it's not coincidental that you take the Captain America position and I take the Tony Stark yeah. one, is that I tend to be the exact opposite. Because like, I'll, I'll give sure, you a further sure. example of where my cynicism comes in. And I, I think you could imagine this in Captain in Civil War, in, I'm sorry, Avengers, but it actually does come up in a lot of things, which is where, okay, so um, again, go back to that shadowy, like the, the World Security Council. There's like six people and they're making the decision, do we nuke New York or do they, um, you know, just let let the Avengers try to do it? Imagine if one of those six had a daughter who went to Columbia University in New York City. I would find it incredibly difficult to believe that that person wouldn't now change the way they made their decision based on that personal connection. And that makes a great story, but that's not how those decisions should ever be made. And, yeah. but unfortunately that comes up all the time. Right, I mean, right. like the, um, one of my many, many problems with Batman with Superman. And there were many, there's a moment to which Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman are all fighting doomsday. And like, you know, they're, they're maybe winning the fight. They're maybe losing. This is obviously a huge threat to a huge number of people, but Superman notices that Lois Lane is in trouble. And so Superman stops fighting right, right. doomsday and tries to go save the person he loves. 
completely understandable, logical right. thing for him to do. I'm sorry, completely emotionally understandable thing that he could do. But he is now putting huge numbers yeah. of lives at stake for the sake of the one life that he cares about most. Um, and like, mm-hmm. if he is just a random person walking down the street trying to help, I can't really argue with him for doing that. But like, right. if a policeman were to do that, we would be horrified, you know? And 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 so I think it, it, it's a really interesting question right, of right, like, right. to what extent should these organizations and people like be caring about those individual things when, in theory, they're the ones who are supposed to decide like for humanity? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think you get the same thing with, you know, national governments, you know, prioritizing their own citizens over like the, you know, people uh-huh. who aren't citizens of their country, you know, like, is it worth killing, you know, a hundred thousand people somewhere else to save maybe a thousand people, you know, right. in the area you're representing? I mean, the, the same way, uh, you know, Superman is representing Lois Lane before he's I mean, this is that awful Skittles of, you know, thing that keeps being brought up, you know, because yeah. what, what basically people are saying with that, you know, the internet meme I'm talking about? It's it's something that the yeah. right-wing folks were using to justify the ban on Syrian immigrants, where they basically said, like, um, if I gave you a bowl of Skittles uh, and I told you that three, yeah, that three of them were poisonous oh, when you Skittles, eat the bowl. Yeah, yeah. And it's like what what yeah. on some level what they're saying is right like it, because it's not about skittles it's about it's about lives so what they're saying really is if you could save a thousand Syrian lives but that in doing so you'd let one or two people in who would right. kill maybe twenty or thirty Americans that we wouldn't do that and in doing that what you're saying is twenty or thirty American lives right, right, are right. more valuable than and you know and to me even just saying. 20 American lives are more valuable than 21 Syrian lives is horrific, but they're using even, even more bloated numbers. Um, right. Yeah. And, and their numbers are, are still skewed towards the, you know, the illogically um, heavily weighted right. towards. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, their numbers don't add up anyway, but, but yeah, still it's, it's, yeah, it's an idea still of, of no, how you balance the lives. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Germany, like they've, People have died, right? Like, I, I don't know whether they've, they've died from actual refugees. I, I think it's mostly, like, that there have been radicalized citizens of, you know, people who are from the EU who committed a lot of these things. But, like, but, you know, there's right. been, supposedly, there's there's been violence, you know, um, perpetrated by... And here's the thing. Like, forget for a minute, like, okay, um, any chance of, like, terrorism or any of that stuff, right? If you accept a hundred million people or a hundred thousand people, eight hundred thousand people from mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Right? Some of those people are gonna commit crime. Just because like out of a million people roughly, like yeah. some of them are gonna kill people. That's just that's humans, right? That's what humans do. So, you know, there's there's going to be a consequence no matter what of accepting any number of people. Um but like it, you know, if it's dozens of people who are maybe going to suffer from millions of people or, or even, like, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people that's having their lives question, changed, yeah. like, yeah, I, that's, that's math I yeah, can live and I with, think that's, you know? In a lot of ways, that's one of the most interesting questions about these organizations is, like, on the one hand, you have that existential threat, you know, of Superman or, of like, the aliens that invade in Suicide Squad or, or whatever it is. Yeah. On the other hand, you have, like, the, like, is this is this an existential threat? Is this a minor threat? Is this an inconvenience? Or is this just a change? You know, is this just like getting you to realize, like, yeah, the way of life that you're used to won't won't continue once we realize that there's inhumans. But you preserving right. that way of life actually doesn't make sense to do. Right, right. Um, right. I mean, first of all, like, what's the value yeah. in it? And second of all, like. That's not so I want to uh, just kind of wrap us up, but so, I want to uh, close with two questions that we got from, from listeners. Did, did we <laughs> well, we're both moving away, so that clearly happened. that's the option. <laughs> I mean, uh, to the uh, NSA monitoring this call, if we were the World Security Council and <laughs> yeah. aliens were invaded, I, 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 I just I, want to clarify that. Well, yeah, I, I think it's a and, and here's a, here's a place where I think ethics and storytelling are often going to differ. You know, like. Utilitarian idea, like 
the better mm-hmm. story is almost always the plucky group of individuals that saves the day against everyone. Um, and I, I like those stories. I just think that there's some some right. some ways in which it's not the most realistic to what an actual good decision would be. But as I was saying, I, I want to start wrapping up. I want to close with a couple yeah. of uh, more listener questions we got. Um, one is related to this idea of the existential alien threat, um, but it's really about this idea of like, how do we, should we perceive it as a threat? And I'm, I'm going to read the exact question. This is also from Ryan, pa- um, the uh, person I mentioned before who um, okay. runs a great podcast, Four Color Nerds. Um, he wrote, aliens, do you think a race that is sufficiently advanced enough for light speed travel would have to have evolved past the desire for destruction to have not destroyed it themselves with space nukes? Or or would, or would they have had to unify through war and thus be destructive? Would it matter to our reaction, or would we instinctively see them as a threat? So, so basically, I think what he's saying is, like, if an alien race comes to the planet Earth, should we kind of think that, like, the fact that they've come here means that they've probably, like, gotten past their destructive urges, or that they've really honed them? Uh, I don't think we should assume either. I mean, I, I think both are reasonable outcomes. I mean, hu- humanity has... I mean, if you look at the human species and, like, the world that humans have built over 5, 10, 50,000 years, um, you know, humans have actually become less violent interpersonally, you know, um, in by many, many, Mm -hmm. many, many measures besides, you know, climate change, the world is actually getting better, you know, fairly rapidly. At the same time, like, humans have not abandoned you know the most destructive urges and the you know nationalism and nativism and um you know the the things that really are horrible and i I don't see any reason to assume that that the only way towards that technological progress is um to like actually have some kind of really enlightened society you know, it, it could, I feel like it could just as easily be a hugely oppressive society where some, um, some, the, you know, the most powerful um, have consolidated mm-hmm. power and really subjugated um, the rest of the population, which you could say like, oh, right. well, that's what's happening now. And it's like, well, kind of, um, but like even like way worse, I think is possible um, and has happened and is happening some places more than others. Um, and I do think like, like optimistically I'd like to think like, yeah, you know, and a really enlightened society would be more likely to produce great science. And I, I actually do kind of logically think that, but that doesn't mean that um, a less enlightened society, a less equitable society um, couldn't produce that technology, you know? Um, so it's the sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, think I'm kind of the same place. Like, I want to believe in that kind of Star Trek ideal of, you know, that, 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 especially when you think that so many, um, you know, so many human problems come from scarcity, you know, a lack of food, a lack of land, a lack of resources. And that if technology, right. like the Star Trek ideal, that if, if technology solves those problems, then a lot of our social ills go away. But but on the flip side, I also think about and I um, mm. at the back of my head in a lot of our discussion of the um, um, uh, uh, existential threat discussions has been the book Ender's Game, um, which I think is another great. Uh, example of like yeah. the thing that yeah. you know and, and that i think there's actually some other good examples of too that like warfare is a great boon to science you know like a lot of i mean we we were discovering nuclear science already but like you know world war Two pushed that forward quite a bit you know the space a lot of our best um right. you know people in, in justifying the funding for nasa love to point out like how many great inventions came out of the space race and all those things are true but like, yeah. and and like yes, we we will still be motivated to go to space without the 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 Cold War, but that as it happened, the Cold War was a huge motivation for the space race, you know, and like a large amount of so much money being put in was because we had to get there before the Russians do, um, and I I don't like this idea, but I think it is true that yeah. conflict is a great motivator in that regard, and so, so yeah, so it does really ra- I I I think it's a great question that Ryan asks, but I think you're right to assume it either way would be problematic because because. In our society, either one would be possible. And given that an alien society is by definition alien, you know, I mean, it's going to be so fundamentally different to us. Trying to imagine how they would think is is impossible. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, we can certainly imagine a bunch of possibilities, and some of those might be correct, you know. Um, but there, there can be um, ways that that we haven't even thought of. Um, and I, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson makes a great point about sorry, who does? biology and evolution and life. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, and you know, an astrophysicist who studies space and stuff. And when people ask him about aliens, uh, he's like, well, you know, the, the assumption that life on other planets, you know, any number of, I mean, there's, the, you know, the universe is enormous, right? There's so many different types of um, different configurations for our planet and, and, you know, its atmosphere and how far it is from a sun, all these things could, could be, um, you know, when, when people assume that the only way that life would evolve or come to be on another planet um, is the way it's mm-hmm. come to be and evolved here. It's like you've got a sample size of one, right? So it's really irrational to assume that's like the only way. Like that's the only way you know. That's the only way you've seen. But it's there's no there's no rational basis for like well therefore it must be the same other places. It's like, yeah, it's reasonable to look for planets like Earth because it's like, well, if it happened here, right. it could happen there the same way. But that doesn't mean it can't happen another place in a different way. And if it did happen in another place in a different way, like the outcome could be so drastically different that it's like, um, you know, without actually seeing it. it it's no, I, I think like that's exactly true. And it, it, um, again, I think um, and I. I'll say, you know, I, I have real problems with a lot of stuff that Orson Scott Card himself talks about, and that there's there's a whole other topic we'll get into at a different time about, you know, yeah. the art versus the the artist. Um, mm-hmm. But I think one other point that Ender's Game and, and the the follow up books bring yeah. up really well is this question of, okay, well, yeah, you know, because they encounter a race, the buggers, who are they don't have individuals in the same way we do. You know, it's a fundamentally different way of thinking, and so yeah, any right. and that so many of our um, yeah. So much of the, what starts the war is that we fundamentally misunderstand each other because, you know, they kill off a bunch of humans because they have no concept that we have any value to individual human life in that way. You know, it's just a totally different way of thinking. Right, right. Right. And then, by then they realize late, that they stop. But humans are still like, oh, no, they're planning the right. next attack. We have to so, annihilate so, this. Uh, and the last question, and we somewhat, I think actually we talked a good deal about it, but I want to just, just read it and, and, and go over it a little more because I think it's so at the heart of this. Um, it comes from another listener, Mary, um, and she asks, if a government found out about aliens or superpowers, should they keep it a secret or should they tell people? Um, I think we're, we, we, yeah, well, well we've, we've gotten pretty clear that, that we shouldn't keep it a secret. <laughs> so how should they tell people? I mean, just like, what, what, what does that oh. look like? Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. I, okay. So uh, we, we can answer the question, but I think it's actually a very unlikely scenario that a government finds out. And uh-huh. I mean, except unless it's like in North Korea or like, you know, um, that the government finds out and then has a way of people not. Right just all knowing really fast you know i mean um because you know a few reasons but just i mean the rise of social media it's like it's harder to believe like superhero like secret identity stories now than it was before you know um like but now that anybody could have just been a byline anyone can do a google image search on superman and a picture of clark kent is probably going to come up you know like it doesn't work anymore Right, exactly. Yeah, facial recognition software, exactly. Um, uh, so, so you know, I think um, that's an unlikely scenario. But saying, you know, assuming that that is what happened, that that the government, you know, got knowledge of it, or someone else got knowledge, and the government mm-hmm. kind of contained that knowledge, you know, um, yeah, you know, shipped all the witnesses off to a black site or whatever. I, I think, you know, what what they, sh- I don't know, it's hard, but. Um, you know, some kind of chat. I mean, I think (laughs) you're right. All all of our, all of our conventions in these Um, stories about how information is told pretty much go out the window with social media and and, and not just social media, but the internet, you know? And I think that's the, like it, 
it's some you and I are are a little odd in that we are yeah. the generate we're in that sort of in between generation and that we grew up when the internet was starting and so we can kind of remember the world before it but 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 know also just how fundamentally different it is and I think a lot of times people don't really think about just how much of a, a yeah. fundamental change to the basic way information is propagated has happened because of that um and and yeah I, I think it it. Mm-hmm. I understand the idea of an organization like Shield or like Argus, excuse me, in terms of keeping those things secret. I think it might have been possible before the internet. I think once the internet happens, we have to accept any organization like that. Like that part of the mission, it's just not possible. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, information wants to be free, and like if if any sort of event happens in any kind of public space, mm-hmm. someone's gonna videotape it on their cell phone you know um and and then it's it's going to go everywhere and yeah you can have some kind of cover-up but i don't think a cover-up is constructive um and i i I do think though that you need a good leader i think you know like i don't buy that much into the idea of like world leaders as like you know like politicians as world leaders and like presidents and whatever um but in a in a in a situation like that, I think it's really important. And I don't know, maybe if if there had been different people in those positions in the last, you know, fifteen, yeah. seventeen years, maybe I, the I world mean, would be a and, very and different it, place. It's scary because it's um, you know, that exact thinking I know is a big part of the like why people are turning towards fascism. You know, I mean, like one strong person who can't like, and that the state has value, and that the leader has value. And that it cuts away all of the problems of democracy. Um, and I, I'm 100% anti-fascist. I'm not uh, in any way saying I'm not. But 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 I but I, I think the argument is wrong. But I understand where people are coming from in in the want and especially in a time of fear. You know. And I think frankly, you know, and we haven't. Uh, we're wrapping up. This could be a whole other. Yeah. Yeah, it's an understandable and, impulse, even. And if I think it's maybe a, this, is, this is a whole other topic we get into at response. a different point. But I think, to me, that's one of the scariest things of the idea of the existential threat—the superhumans or the aliens or whatever—is that I think I think what is most likely is that that's the situation yeah. that would cause you know some kind of strong global leader to emerge, but not in a like happy democratically way, but in a fascist way, you know. And you look at like, you know. Um, Hitler needed there to be right. a real existential threat of like the utter and complete collapse of the German economy and the German way of life that was being faced, you know, and like, um, uh, yeah. you know, Andrew Jackson, yeah. you know, in America, like, uh, or Trump in current today, you know, there are people who are convinced there's an exit. Yeah, sure, sure. there are people who are convinced or there's an existential Pen, threat or, uh... to white America. Um, I, I would say there is and there should be because that's something that should die. Um, yeah, you know, like. Right, yeah. right. And that's the thing, is that that's actually... Uh, yeah, so I was going to say, that in know? closing, to me, that's yeah. kind of, I think, one of the most it, interesting parts of all these stories is, like, the shadow organization is terrifying to me, but I, I also know that, like, when that threat occurs, one of the things that I'm most afraid of isn't the threat, but is what we do to fight the threat. Because in a lot of ways, that might wind up being worse. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and that is what I would say is how the um, whatever the threat is that people view as an existential threat does really pose an existential threat to, you know, whatever way of life, you know, we think whatever I think maybe is, is um, good in human uh, society, whatever I think is good about America. Like, I think those things are very threatened by the response to something that people perceive as a, as an existential threat, which people, you know, a lot of people perceive terrorism as an existential threat. A lot of people perceive immigration as an existential threat. And I think that the reactions people have by perceiving those things as these yeah. kind of threats actually threatens what I, and what I think, think that there could be a thing that was an existential about, threat at one you know, point, but isn't anymore. States. You know, I mean, like it, if, if you had told me that Israel in 1955 thought course, it was under yeah. existential threat, I, I couldn't argue with you. Like I think that was a that was a factual reality. Today today I don't think it's as likely. Although right. yes, if one of those nations gets a nuclear weapon, it's sure, somewhat yeah. you know, and that's the thing is it's like 
it's such a a fluid kind of a thing. So anyway, I think it's a topic we could talk a long time about, but we've had a good discussion on. Um, yeah. Thank you so much to our listeners for sending us questions in advance. And to everyone now, what do you guys think? Um, you know, is S.H.I.E.L.D., what do you think of how S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is handling things or Argus? Um, obviously, we haven't gotten into the more recent uh, episodes, uh, recent seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which I have seen, but Paul has not. But I will say just brings up some of these questions in great ways. And I hope we can discuss at a later point. Um, but for any of the rest of you, what, what do you guys think of these questions? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Superhero Ethics. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. Give us a, give us a review. We'd love to know what you think. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Paul, thank you so much for being part of this discussion. Have a great day.